Welcome to ShoeCast, Shoe's very own podcast. This series of ShoeCast will explore everything from trends in the digital world to advise on how we can play to your strengths and overcome personal and work challenges. We're featuring some amazing industry guests who will also be sharing their experiences within their field. Alongside me, I'm Rachel, the Chief Operations Officer at Shoe, and there will be Chris, our Chief Vision Officer, and also our guest host from the Shoe Academy, and these include Annie, Katie, and Sabrina. We hope you enjoy our series this autumn. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for joining us, Darren, today. So we're, we're going to have a bit of a discussion this afternoon all about, I suppose, business growth and um, how businesses are perhaps adapted and changed and found the last 18 months, I suppose, of the pandemic. So I suppose kicking off with that, What's been your biggest challenge over there since good old COVID? The biggest challenge, um, like any business was, is it it became a bit of a a survival episode, you know, the 18 months ago. It happened so quickly for the business world that um, probably a lot of businesses and a lot of clients that were kind of on an upwards trend kind of put the brakes on a little bit and decided, you know what, we, we can't progress as quickly as we probably wanted to on certain areas of, of growth therefore we um, kind of hone our um, resources into ensuring that we we survive the the tricky times that covid brought um into into a lot of industries mm-hmm. um, and we were there exactly the same we ourselves as a firm went into a bit of a survival mode and kind of put our resources into the, the service areas that needed the attention the most um, and that was generally down in our payroll team, the job retention team, so doing all the furlough claims took up a lot of our resource, um, whereas our personal tax and kind of audit teams were, were kind of hit with a little bit of quieter periods because those clients were in the middle of being in lockdowns, closures, having certain members of staff, you know, sent over either on furlough or work from home, so that put bumps in the road for those departments to kind of continue as they were. Um, so really that was kind of the initial challenge that COVID brought to to us as a business and, and to the vast majority of our clients. Yeah, absolutely. I completely echo with all of that. We, we noticed when when everything happened, exciting <laughs> as I say that, when everything kicked off back in March, end of March last year, um, that businesses literally did one of two things, I suppose. They went into survival mode and the first thing they looked at was money. The first conversations probably were with the accountants, with the financial investors, with, with whoever is involved in the money to make sure that they're looking after the cash they've got, I suppose. Um, did you notice a bit of that or was that kind of something you spotted as a bit of a trend or did you have lots of initial conversations with businesses? Yeah, there were, the conversations never stopped. Um, if not, it was it was very much ramped up, especially when um, you know decisions were to be made about um, putting furlough, um, putting employees onto furlough, and then obviously the, the grants were then starting to feed through from various councils, and then there was the loans. You know, customers asking, should I take a bounce back loan? Should I, should I not? You know, do I need the cash? Do I not? So actually, our involvement became uh, in terms of advising clients and putting the numbers in front of them about whether debt was good for them or not at that time. Companies that have generally had quite a good history of not needing debt were, asked, were questioning and asking themselves whether it was a good idea to, to have debt 
Mm-hmm. And that was a big mindset change for my number of clients and business owners um, through the early stages when all this finance kind of became available. Yeah, they were asking the questions, is it actually the right thing for me to do to, to have, apply for this apply for this funding or not? So that's kind of where we came in with our advice, our knowledge, um, helping prepare cash flow forecasts to actually understand how that debt would impact the company's cash reserves and then how the repayments in the future um, would be would kind of impact the cash outflow, you know, after the initial 12, 6 to 12 month period, not having to repay those loans came to an end. Yeah, I know you guys are really proactive in getting information out to, to, to your clients and not even clients, people you know and your networks and just being very proactive with helping. So speaking as a business owner, it's very uncertain times at that point, like panicking, oh my God, what am I going to do? All that kind of stuff. Those thoughts going yeah, pretty free head. Um, I don't think, think Phil or I don't Phil or mental pre. Oh, it's a new word that came into the dictionary for everybody on in, in April last year. Yes, definitely. Like, oh, what the hell is this thing that's coming up? Um, so I suppose, obviously, Siebel's, recovery loans, grants, there's been, been a lot out there. I know it's slightly, slightly potentially digressing, but is there anything that's really stood out to you um, with, with you know, so you, what you do is, is there anything that stood out for you as like right, that was a really good decision by the government this has been the best thing we could have done for businesses to help them grow what did you say that is I think I think the furlough scheme the the generosity really you know two and a half thousand pound per month cap on each individual employee and then for the first several months the government was also paying the mm as an IC and the ERS pension for those members of staff as well. That by far was the, the the number one thing that they could have done to protect the jobs of the vast majority of employed people in the UK. Um, it didn't obviously capture everybody. There were people that fell through the gap and I, and I, and I do really sympathise with them. Uh, and we did as a, as a firm and as a, and as a profession lobby to government to fund, give them all the information about those ones that were being forgotten. But unfortunately, nothing ever came in terms of furlough or grants to, towards them other than the ones that obviously had business premises that could claim by uh, the local authorities. Um, the other ones probably that, that were a big winner for obviously businesses with premises were the local authority initial rebate and then 100% rates deduction for, for small businesses for, you know, the 2021 year um, and then further reductions um, for, for businesses in, in the current uh, fiscal year as well. So there has been a lot of support um, and obviously a lot of money handed out, which doesn't need to be repaid. So, you know, it was silly for no business to consider utilising those options and taking it. Uh, they were definitely... The, the, the couple of schemes that were developed and generated from the government pretty quickly. You know, it, we were in lockdown in March. By the first couple of weeks of April, a furlough scheme with all the regulations was published. It could be backdated to people who were sent home um, and furlough and kind of sent home to when businesses locked down, when lockdown happened. So it wasn't just a case of it happens from the day it was published. They did a retrospective callback as well. 
uh, and the tweaks to the rules fairly soon after, the people that were made redundant when lockdown happened or in the period between kind of COVID being very much apparent in the UK and, and lockdown happening, people that lost their jobs um, before the furlough scheme kind of did kick in on the 27th of March, as long as they were employed at the end of February, that employer could re-employ that person and then furlough them. Uh, I don't know the statistics of how many employees kind of got their job back and then were put on furlough uh, when they changed that rule. But again, that's the government thinking on the feet, understanding there was a, an issue where people lost their jobs because of mm. COVID and therefore they adjusted it accordingly to hopefully try and recompense those employees that they weren't going to be jobless for a significant period of time. Yeah, I suppose that the furlough scheme, yeah, I definitely agree there. You've got a furlough scheme that's put into place to, to I suppose, give the business confidence that their, their staff are looked after so they can then take that time out to, well, I think you were mentioned at the beginning, to go into that kind of survival mode and think about, well, how do we kind of not only survive during the pandemic, but kind of thrive and come out of it stronger? Um, I suppose that kind of leads me to the next, next bit. So in terms of survival and, and businesses growing, have you noticed any kind of sectors that have, one struggled and two, and I suppose not survived or maybe thrived. That done really well out of all of this. Yeah, I think I think well, it's, it's probably um, get the ones that have struggled out of the way first. Cause I think that's the most documented um, across the news is um, the hospitality sector and the leisure industry. You know, were really really significantly impacted. Closures, unsure um, ways of reopening. Um, hospitality sector last August being told they could reopen, get people in the door, but then that ultimately probably was one of the major factors why we ended up being in lockdown again. Yep. So, you know, a lot of chopping and changing, you know, for the hospitality sector, you know, reducing numbers for eating in or, or you can't eat in, but you can eat out. Businesses having to adapt their business to then do takeaway only to try and survive and, and, and kind of adapt their business to, in that sector was obviously a challenge, you know, putting in new processes and, and new ways of, of working just so they could survive through those times. The leisure industry, you know, we've got, um, you know, rugby clubs, football clubs, as, um, especially on the community level uh, as clients. And they were hit really hard because they couldn't have any of their junior teams and their sort of like open age senior teams play any sport for a long period of time, which meant... Nobody was going down to the clubhouse on a weekend and the matches and obviously on a weeknight training, you know, so they were hit really hard. And a lot of those are, you know, run by volunteers and, and rely on the community to spend their money in their premises for that, for those businesses to generate income to keep the, the club moving um, year on year. So they, they were hit really hard um, in that sector. I think... Um, the ones that have, have flourished, even though it was um, da a little bit of a, a lull right at the beginning, was the construction industry. Um, I think if you were in the if you were in the construction industry doing the right type of construction and development, they have flourished. The demand for warehousing has rocketed through the roof. The demand for conversions of office space in city centres to residential. The demand for out-of-city 
leisure and retail has been huge. That is on the back of city centres not being as busy as they once were and probably won't be as busy as they ever were either with the, the new way of working, with hybrid working, home working, um, flexible working has probably and will continue to, to reduce the footfall through city centres. So the people that were in the right type of construction that were able to quickly win work to convert premises into residential from office space or convert, converting unused retail into a mixed-use purpose building and things like that, they really thrived in the last couple of years. Um, and the other the other sector that we've we've helped um, a lot with, and, and you'll see it through for your line of business, people mm. have uh, tailored their business to do e-commerce and, and sale online. Um, they 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 are and continually and probably will forever continue to be a really big benefactor of what COVID brought out because they position their business in a way that they can adapt to potentially any issues that may arise in the future. Um, and, and they've got the business model now to, to able just to keep growing. Mm. Um, so seeing those type of businesses um, be successful in, in what's been a tricky time has been really, really good to see. Absolutely. Definitely 100% echo the, the e-commerce stuff. That's, that's on our, our end. We That's how we've really grown and recruited during the last 12 to 14 months or so because of businesses hit the word pivot, but pivoting and then changing their model into selling subscription model, into selling products, perhaps they were a manufacturer before and they've realised actually we can no longer supply into certain areas. Let's, let's sell online. Um, I suppose if from putting your, your, your day-to-day head back on. If I was a struggling business in, say, hospitality or leisure, and I'm kind of coming out of this, as the world's starting to open up back a bit more, have got any advice on how that could help us with what you could do to support them? Uh, I think know your community. Know your low-hanging fruit. Who, who walks past those premises day in, day out? Who drives past those premises day in, day out? Um, and it might be a case of you have to change your opening hours, change your, you know, if you if it's a menu facing type establishment, um, you know, changing the menu and changing kind of, you know, kind of in a way, bring people back into those premises that as quickly and as consistently as as you can, um, maybe um, and be able to be willing to adapt. Um, your services as well so I've had local local leisure centre by me it was very very regimented on this is when we open the pool for this type of group of people and uh, and it's this way of doing it and that way of doing it when when they could reopen full time it was several hours a day it was just kind of turn up and pay Mm-hmm. You know, there were no need, you know, and and that that obviously encouraging people to come back as it suited them and their working day, rather than I can only go at seven pm at night for an hour and that's me done. They adapted the way that they were uh, allowing their customers and open opening it to a lot more new customers as well by having that flexibility. Um, and I think that's really what hospitality and leisure have had to do. And 
and, and will continue to do so is offer flexibility to their customers and be adaptive to the changes that COVID has brought to their business. Yeah. Absolutely, so it's 100% agree. It's almost like the Charles Darwin, adapt or die and being flexible and, and applies to business. So I suppose, on the, I suppose taking that theme, adaption, um, what, I suppose, what accountancy practices have you seen businesses have to adopt and adapt over the pandemic? And, um, well, I suppose, what kind of getting out of there is the, the digital tax that's been, been around for many years now and not many businesses have embraced that. Has it, has it pushed it on or what are your thoughts around that? Yeah, the the digitalisation or the need to outsource work for a lot of businesses became quite quite a high priority for them um, because the the business owners who probably did too much soon realised that doing too much was not going to be able to recover their business well enough mm-hmm. out of COVID, so. Businesses looked at the options of either digitalising processes internally amongst their own staff, so utilising cloud software, utilising um, associating apps for to automating data entry and reporting and things like that. Um, or they were outsourcing the work to firms like ourselves. You know, business owners were wanting to regain a foothold of their business and kind of knuckle down to come out of COVID in a strong position and not really wanting to give up the time that was required to keep on top of the the finance processes. So that was where we could come in because we already had the technology and the automation built in already, which allowed us to scale that amongst more clients in a short timeframe. So that was a really good win for us internally in growing our bookkeeping, our VAT department um, over the COVID period where clients were looking for a solution for, for somebody else to, to do the processing so they could concentrate on getting their business back on track. Yeah, absolutely. I digitisation of tax and, and, well, just digitisation of, of everything has been been going on for the last, certainly the last 10 years anyway. Um, and I know we've, been, we've pushed into the, using the likes of Xero, um, Receipt Bank, Dext, and all sorts of tools and apps that are designed for busy business owners like me to, to save our time. We don't want to be worrying about tax. We want to know we've got a team, we've got an Ailers behind us who can really support us. We've got a team there looking after everything. We've day-to-day, I take a picture of my receipt. I've got trip catcher for my mileage. I've got uh, whatever else, other apps and apps for apps. And I think it's a great tool to be able to, to embrace the, the change in tech. Um, where was I going with that? So I was talking about, I suppose, where I was going to go with that was tech itself. And obviously the rise of Teams and Zoom and, and those kind of things. Has it made it easier for you to really, I suppose, build up trust and support and been, work with your clients over the last 12 months or so? Yeah, we've been able to demonstrate by utilising the technology that's available that we can collaboratively work with clients on a real-time basis. You know, the, the compliance side of our business is here and, will always be here but that doesn't give the business owners of our clients the practical real-time advice they need to either adapt and change to grow their business or just understand how their business is performing in the here and now so they can make informed business decisions for the short term you know having 
year-end client meetings about accounts that are six to 12 months out of date is no good for business owners to plan for the here and now and plan for the short to medium future. So the more clients that we have been working with utilising digital technology and cloud accounting, I've definitely seen the benefits of, of our relationship in helping their business grow and come out of COVID in a much stronger position. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. I suppose as we've talked heavily on the, the, the history and the, the last... The, the, the pandemic, rapid design to the one word pandemic. So, I suppose turning attention to the future and thriving and growth and planning for that success that we, we're, we're talking about with businesses, whether you're hospitality, you struggle, or leisure, you struggle, or whether you're thriving in either digital or construction. So, I suppose, how, what, what, what advice or tips would you give somebody who's thinking about, right, well, okay, the past is the past. We're now in October 2021, 22's around the corner. I'm thinking about planning and getting my, my accounting, my tax, my, my finances, if you like, in, in order. What kind of tips were around planning would you give such businesses? Um, the number one tip that I give to a lot of businesses is to take it is to take the business element out of it and put it back on the individual and ask them, what do they want from a business? How do they want their business to dictate their life? Do they want it to completely take over and they have no personal life? Do they want it to earn a certain level of income for themselves so they can enjoy family life and holidays and, you know, growing families and things like that? Are they quite happy for it to be run by a team and they have very little input and kind of take a reward from the performance of that team as and when it suits? So it's kind of really getting to understand what those business owners want from that and then work from there in developing a mini business plan for the short term, you know, a one to two year business plan. You know, so that's what we've done with a handful of clients so far in for 2022 is right, you know, you've come out of the COVID in an okay position. It could be better, but how much better does it need to be? And those are the questions that we're asking. So we can then put that into context in terms of business, in terms of, right, to achieve what you want to achieve, you need to grow sales by X, you need to increase your margin by Y, and stuff like that. And then understanding outside factors that that business may not be able to particularly control themselves, but ensure they're fully aware the impact that has on their business such as cost of importation has rocketed through the roof. Cost of gas and electric is a huge issue at the moment. Ensuring businesses are aware of those implications that they can't control, but they need to understand that it has an impact on their potential return from that business in, in the next 12 to 24 months. Um, and that's done by doing cash flow forecasting, doing scenario planning, doing some SWOT analysis on what ifs and what are the what are the strengths of the business and if it, if, it, if it's possible to do more of that then do it um, and, and and kind of understanding also the industry that they're in and, and where they're placed in that industry to take advantages of any threats that the industry and competition may pose 
um, and really hone in on how that business is going to perform to its best for the outcome of its owners. Perfect. I, I love that because you've got, I suppose, the, the challenge of any accountancy, I suppose, is is how how do we break from the traditional inverted commas there of we're just looking at looking at bag of receipts and this is what we've done in the past and that's it that's all we do and obviously you, you guys are very proactive in everything you just said it comes across about well actually what if we do this what about that this is what we want to achieve and i'm picking up some kind of work-life balance stuff implications there coming out which i think is definitely definitely a positive coming out of the pandemic in that people's priorities have definitely shifted in the, for, the, for the good we're not a slave to our inbox as much we're not a slave to the commute as much hybrid working remote working blended working whatever you want to call it be able to do this you know hop on a zoom hop on a teams hop on a google hangout they even do that with clients great there's so many positives coming out and um, the pandemic <clears throat> I don't know where I was going with that. Somewhere I was going off on the run. <laughs> we can edit that bit. Um, so we've talked about trust. We've talked, I suppose, maybe this next bit might be quite cool if we could talk about you specific, maybe how, how you can support businesses on the day-to-day. I know you've touched on the kind of planning stuff. Is there anything in particular you might want to, not necessarily plug, but plug it in a, in a roundabout way? <laughs> yeah, definitely, yeah, we can. We, we've always strive to be a firm of accountants that is the one-stop shop for business and business owners um, where we're the trusted advisor for, for taxation, accountancy, payroll, HR, all the key areas that are fundamentals to running the business. Um, and our services is definitely um, built on the trust that we build with those clients that they're confident that we provide them the level of service in all those areas that just takes the stress and the anxiety away from those business owners knowing that their advisor and their accountant is doing it correctly for them giving them all the information and all the tools that they need to to run their business successfully and and and, and we do that day in day out that's the heart of our business um, for our clients Excellent. Thank you for that. That's kind of summarising really nicely about what you do and how you can help help people. Just touching on that trust bit, it's come up a couple of times and we talked a little bit around it. I suppose how how do you I'm talking to you, I suppose you and you as opposed to the, the business here, how how do you go about really cementing that relationship? Because it's a very you mentioned the word earlier about people looking at the individual, what they want out of it. But you are ultimately you're, you're going to build relationships up with individuals within a business. How do you build up that trust? Because obviously money's still a bit taboo and a bit of stigma around talking about cash and numbers. So how do you kind of break down that barrier with a client on how do you build up that trust? Yeah, the it's it's always been you know trust is is the number one sort of like core value that Neil Winters Girl ethos is all about. We build trust internally between teammates between departments um, and that trust is then oozed out for every possibility, every touch point that we have with clients. Trust is always at the forefront of our minds and I go about that by how I interact with clients and communicate. I'm very honest, I'm very open, um, I'm, a, you know, I'm a Bradford lad, I'm a Yorkshire lad, I, I will and always will tell it 
as it, tell our clients as it is from my point of view. And that doesn't always go down well. But the way it's recepted back and built on, that generally gets the trust of the person I'm talking to. Um, they get to understand what I'm advising them, why I'm advising them, and ultimately explain to them what the outcome of that advice will ultimately be for them and their business. Um, and that just goes with um, the way we generate business. Um, you know, over 80% of new businesses is from existing clients and referrals from professional contacts. You know, we don't go out and cold call ourselves and our business to gain new business. Um, we understand that our clients will be open and honest to their friends and family about how our service has been with them and whether they would recommend us to anybody close to them. And to have over 80% of our new business come in year in year be from existing client and professional contact referrals just goes to show that we build trust and we build relationships with clients and contacts to the level that we see as being as our number one core value. Absolutely. And you don't kind of get that overnight. I think, if I correct, correct me if I'm wrong, you've been going over 100 years now as a, as a firm. No, that's correct, yes. 1917, it was, the firm was born in, in Bradford, not too far from our offices where they are now. Um, and Nina Winters Gill has been going in its current guise since, since the early 90s. Um, a lot of long-standing clients and a lot of long-standing employees that know the business um, are very much engraved in the ethos and the culture of Nina Winters Gill and, you know, showcase what we do as a firm for our clients on a daily basis. Absolutely. And that's, that's obviously, you know, they were saying Rome wasn't built in a day and been going for well over 100 years. It's no surprise, obviously, knowing you guys quite well is how that trust is, is not just, everyone talks about trust. Everyone talks about trust. Everyone's trustworthy, but to have the numbers to back it up and actually get the majority of your business, 80% plus, through word of mouth, through referrals is phenomenal. So that's that's great. And I suppose just to close out, how could I get in touch with you if I want to want to connect with you? I want to chat to you. I want to get in touch. How could I do that? So we we're very prominent on on social media. Um, we we do the content on social media that allows us to be very much um, top scoring on our on Google searches. Um, all the key members of staff from managers up to directors are all prominent on uh, LinkedIn, Twitter. Uh, so they're our main channels. Um, but we also have an open office. We're, we're in the middle of the city centre. We've got off-street parking. That's really key for a lot, a lot of clients. You know, we're on a side of a major access road in the city centre of Bradford. If people want to come in for a chat, we've got an open reception and, and we'll, we'll, we'll have somebody um, come and speak to anybody about their tax and um, accountancy requirements, should that be from somebody who's about to set up their own business, somebody who just has, has heard about us through some sort of marketing or um, events that we, that we attend and we regularly sponsor a lot of uh, initiatives in, in the city as well. Um, and yeah, the, um, 
the networking circle really is 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 we're all very prominent on that. Myself does weekly networking. Uh, our managing director is the current chair of the Bradford Chamber of Commerce. So we are in positions around the city and around Yorkshire that allows the firm and what we stand for to be publicised um, amongst our peers, amongst our potential new clients. Um, and they're the ones that we will more than happy talk to um, by any means, jump on a Zoom, answer a telephone call. There's nothing, for me, there's nothing more important than a face-to-face -face meeting. So please, um, come, come and see us in the office. Yeah, absolutely. Zoom, Zoom and Teams have its purpose. Well, can't beat a good old handshake and a cup of tea. Uh, no, no. Oh, thank you very much.